We're We the People. And we're recording from the occupied territory of the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi people. Or what you probably know to be Chicago. And the Chumash, Keech, and Tatavian people. Or Los Angeles. Guess what? We're all on stolen land. Take a second to learn whose land you occupy. And take meaningful, direct action to decolonize and restore these lands to their rightful stewards. Action items and resources can be found in the link tree on our Instagram, at We The People Present. Hey, everybody. Welcome to We The People. I'm Lionel. I'm Asia. I'm Dana. I'm Tina. I said it normal, y'all. Did you hear? Yeah. I'm real proud of you. You also think you have jaundice. Yes. (laughs) Corona, 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 corona. (laughs) Moderna, Pfizer, Moderna, Pfizer. But really? I think every morning. Today's the day? Every They're morning I get on my knees like, and I say, Dear God, please it's bless like waiting. Moderna and Pfizer. <laughs> it's, like, it's like waiting for a callback for an audition. That's oh my God. Please call me. Please call me. God, please I call hope me. I get it. I hope I get I it. I hope I get it. <laughs> How many doses do I need? How many doses do I need? <laughs> You ever think about, you know, those people call you randomly and they're like, hey, you want a trip for two to the Bahamas? I want them to call me, hey, you want a slot for Moderna? And I'd be like, I would do shit. Like yeah, I'd how soon do you think, like, the scams are going to start? Like, uh, people are yeah. going to start scamming with the vaccine. They probably already have started. Scam. Probably. Oh, my God. Scam me. Scam. I want to be scammed. You I can have my money scammed. if you really give me a vaccine. Yeah. I'll give you my money if you actually give me your spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll take someone. Yeah, I'll pay someone my stimulus money for a spot. All right, listeners, you heard it here first. Reach out to Lionel <laughs> on Instagram. He's. I, I'll give you part of my stimulus money. <laughs> He's giving us stimulus money for a shot, y'all. I will give you six whole dollars. <laughs> well, how's everyone doing? How was your week? How was you all's week? Long. Yeah. Yeah, it was a long week, but the inauguration happened. Yeah, sure did baby. Beep beep, we made it. Did anyone feel like so much relief when the end of the festivities were done and the ten million dollars worth of fireworks? No, I just mean like I, no I don't know about y'all, but I was I was like holding my breath. I think that that's a really valid point, Dana, and, like, scary that we had, but real. Like, we sat there in anticipation that there might be a mass shooting or one of our new leaders might be assassinated. That's wild to think about. It really is. We're at that point. But also, I was, like, sitting there watching the footage, and I was like, y'all, people were sitting so close together. I know they were wearing masks and they were outside, but, like, that also made me anxious. I was like, you can't, you gotta move these chairs away from each other. Like, this is not, uh, why is this happening? People were touching each other, like, kissing each other on the cheek through their mask. I was just like, you're very true. This is a bad example. This is a bad, this is as bad as what (laughs) Trump does. Like, what's that? Garth Brooks, yeah, he hugged everybody. Garth Garth Brooks hugged everyone, and he was wearing fucking jeans. (laughs) And no mask. (laughs) Jeans and no mask to the inauguration. 
What privilege? Right? <laughs> and he sounded like shit. And he felt it. He felt it. Y'all, he yeah. was so proud of himself. Uh, I get we have to, like, show the country where, like, you know, like, we can still celebrate the good things even during a hard time. But, like, do we, though, like, we can't put the big festivities on hold till like, after the global pandemic is over right. i don't know i or, said this last week but like i'm like i'm not about the pageantry or the mystique around the american you know like that's not really my thing so i'm like do we have to have a party can we not just do this over zoom and like get it done and, well and, and or like later? if they we don't maybe everyone there was required to quarantine and get a test so like maybe they were all safe but like tell, a lot of them are vaccinated tell to be people fair, that but yeah. still yeah. You know, like, you're put, setting an example for the country and saying, yeah. like, we get to do this party anyway. While mm-hmm. we all want it, but, like, can you please show some responsibility in that? And that includes more than masks when people are sitting right next to each other and touching each other. Um, um, did y'all see yeah. the meme or side-by-side photo of, oh, my gosh, what was, it like, Cheetah Girls or something? Yes, with all four of <laughs> the, the women. Yeah. All four. <laughs> I was like, nice. There was one with Jonas Brothers, too. Oh, really? Where they're all wearing the same colors. Oh, my gosh. As, like, everyone's coats. I mean, the ladies showed up with outfits. Yeah, truly uh, all of the coats on display. Every coat. Beautiful. So, speaking of, we, (laughs) on the day, I remember we were, like, texting about, like, all the outfits that we wanted. So, uh, for our round robin fun little thing, um, create an outfit out of, the outfits at the inauguration that you would wear to I don't know to whatever just what outfit do you in want in my home because it's COVID yeah <laughs> that you would wear to stay home because safety J Lo pants <gasps> mm-hmm. J Lo's all white pants J Lo's pants mm-hmm. um, Kamala's jacket Gaga's bird and yes. her hair thing <laughs> and um, Garth Brooks's confidence. <laughs> absolutely (laughs) garth brooks's walk yeah totally his his privilege i'll take that (laughs) dana um i'm looking at it right now i'm i michelle's outfit blew me out of the water um oh also jayla's glow sorry her oh my god yes jayla's glow glow. yeah 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 um that's so good (laughs) i really like i my joke answer is that i would just walk around naked with the gaga bird yes (laughs) oh that's good that's good there's no like so good on her though i know it was it looked really cool she sounded really good too yeah which is not easy in the cold yeah. unless it's... No, and she did it live. Like, a yeah. lot of people don't do that at the inauguration. Yeah, like, J-Lo mm-hmm. wasn't live. No. Um, I guess I would say... I mean, I really love Michelle's whole outfit, but, like, <sighs> Michelle's coat, her pants, maybe J-Lo's top with her, and then Ooh, like, yeah. that ruffly shirt. I love mm-hmm. that ruffly shirt. I can't do it's ruffles because of my big tatas. They make me look <laughs> Yeah, I, I do got big tatas too, so that might be a problem. Um, and then I'll take Bernie's the shirt, mittens. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie's mittens. Mittens. Because I want to support the support that teacher that gave it to him. I would have worn those mittens. Um, Tina. I mean, definitely Amanda Gorman's coat, that yellow coat. Oh, so oh, I love it. Beautiful. So 
much. And that's like my favorite color. So one, I mean, there were so many good coats. Maybe I just layer a bunch of coats on top of each other. <laughs> everyone's coat. Like, yeah, just everyone's coat. Just I'm always no cold pants. all the time anyway. No so. pants. Yeah. Just coat. No, no pants. No pants. Garth, Garth Brooks jeans and every coat. <laughs> <laughs> or that you wouldn't my have final to wear them answer. all. You could just do constant <laughs> costume changes. Or like a patchwork of all of the coats. No, that would look horrible. Yeah. Like, a, like a low rent production of Joseph like and the Amazing Technical. <laughs> yeah. We love his coat of many colors. All right, I would do Michelle Obama's jumpsuit, mm. like just the jumpsuit. Mm. Mm. Amanda Gorman's yellow coat on top. Mm-hmm. Amanda Gorman's headband, yeah. but mm-hmm. in the same color as Michelle Obama's jumpsuit. Ooh! I would do Lady Gaga's bird on my jumpsuit. Yep. I would do J-Lo's glow. Yep. I would have a white ruffled tie that would come down. And just to play with color, and because I love that bitch, I would do Jill's face mask, the turquoise blue, with the matching gloves, because I love Jill Biden. I love Dr. Biden. Mm -hmm. And I would have Kamala Harris's um, job, because she's a boss. (laughs) That's it. Her job. And I would not hug Garth Brooks. Oh, my God. No, no. No. No, no, no. Get away from me. Too friendly. <laughs> Do you know her earrings? Amanda Gorman's earrings are were a tribute to I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. Ah, oh, so good. Awesome. I didn't know that. I'd add that with Gaga's Bird. Woo! Ooh! Yes. This feels like I I have a, a really um a really good point to make, and I think this segues us into our conversation <laughs> on representation and identity. Yeah. Because I think that in that specifically, these are really two awesome moments to think about. Lady Gaga represents a performer of all types, but she also leads with her individual, like being an individual, her voice. She's very confident about her singing, right? Like there's a part of her that's like, I am a singer first. And so I love that she sang live. But I also look at, like, J-Lo is a performer. Like, that is what she does. She's been a performer for years. She got into the game by dancing. She used to be a fly, fly girl. girl. She used to be a fly girl on In Living Color. <laughs> and I appreciate that for whatever reason, she felt strongest by recording. I think that, A, it's important for her to represent that she's a presenter. I think it was dope of having... Take the worry out of anything. I feel like that yeah. made her performance the strongest. And I actually love that she did that. It was not about what do I sound like, but it was like, what am I saying? And I love that she mixed together her her nationality. She mixed in her flavor with this patrioticness to be like, this is the America for everyone. I love that what they did and that they both didn't do live, did live. Yeah, I mean, what would you do? Would you do live or would you pre-record? I think I'd pre-record. I'd I like to think I could do live, but to, if I were, to, go ahead. If if you were singing, if I were to answer your question, if I were singing, I would pre-record. If I were performing, I'd want to perform something live. Like I wouldn't want to to do a filmed version of it because I trust my instincts when I'm worried or when I get highly anxious from that. Like I identify myself as an actor first. So in crisis, if my anxiety reeled, I would trust that my instincts would kick in. If I had to sing, even though I have trained as singing, I feel like I would choke. Or I'd be so worried about choking that I would have wished I was pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. Personally. How about you? What do y'all think? I think I do live. 
I think I do live with both. That's that's just me personally. If I had to play an instrument, no. Yeah. Because it's so cold. Mm, like, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't have unless it was a drum. <laughs> but every other instrument would do, cause me like do, way too oh, much anxiety. But it's just like I mean, I think it'd be dope if I had a looper up there. I would like loop in stuff. It'd be great. Twenty minute performance at the inauguration. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think for me personally, I think um anxiety with performance is actually a helpful thing as opposed to something that hinders me oh, i think it helps me that's so great which is oh, weird yeah. but it's just how i feel yeah it congrats sh- to you shuts for that. me down <laughs> i black out shuts me down in every other <laughs> in every other aspect of my life my anxiety makes things worse but when i'm performing it actually makes it better and it doesn't matter what kind of performance you're doing whether you're dancing whether you're singing whether you're acting no the wow. nerves and the anxiety for me, they go hand in hand and they actually, uh, they may, they just amplify everything for me. Congrats, I... everyone. We have discovered the vaccine for COVID. It is Dana. Because that's some superhero <laughs> fucking power. Like, literally to be able to channel your anxiety like that is superhero. Like, I can't do it for all three. I learned something about myself or just relearned or discovered or whatever. So um, people were talking about their most embarrassing stories. There's a point, I promise. Um, And one of mine is that when I was in first or second grade, I made honor choir in our area, like in our Tri-City area. Congrats. Thanks. Thank you. I'm still very proud. Um, (laughs) And for Christmas, for the Christmas concert, I auditioned for a solo. And the director after my audition came out to talk to my mom and was like, um your child is very talented and I got the last solo of the show and everyone was like oh my god that's a big deal they always put the best person last and I bombed so hard like (laughs) I sang I'll be home for Christmas and all of the low notes were off like every time I got down to the low note I just couldn't figure it out and I cried so much and I was like mom I messed up so many notes and she was like I'm really proud that you know that though because you're like eight and um and I think to be honest I think that has been a root of my anxiety in performing mm. my entire Aww. life. And I only realized it recently. Like, I get there and I'm like, I mean, what if I just, like, sing all the wrong notes and then I make a fool of myself? So that's why at the inauguration, with that kind of pressure, I would be like, I'm just going to, even though I see myself as a singer first, I would still be too nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I baby Asia. Baby Asia. Little baby Asia. My anxiety has gotten worse the older I've gotten. And I think it's because I, like the other side of performing or the other side of just like living is you become aware. Like there's more lenses the more you become an adult. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, like as a black man, I like, there's so many lenses that I think about even more as like an adult black man than I did as a child where I'm like, Mm. cool, are those people watching me? Are those people not watching me? Are those people figuring out what I'm doing? Are they not? Am I triggering? Do I look safe? Am I safe right now? Is this a safe situation? Um, That like carry over into my performance, like little bits that I used to survive with that now I actually, it's harder for me to turn my anxiety off as opposed to when I was younger, I was more... I was faux-free. I was the most outspoken kid and, like, outgoing because I didn't have the same worries. And so I also, listening to you say that, I think I'm the flip. Like, the older Mm -hmm. I've gotten, the more I'm like, Lionel, stop it. Stop it. Get out your way. Mm -hmm. What about you, Tina? Yeah, teens, what about you? Oh, I would – y'all have heard me sing. I would (laughs) pre-record. You've got a lovely voice. voice. 
Yeah, but like I like unlike Dana, like I for me, I actually am with you on the like I nerves help me a lot as an actor, yes. and I'm definitely an actor first. Um, so like like nerves are good for me as an actor, but like they affect my body in like very physical and bad mm-hmm. ways that like the, it, it like causes my support to like vanish yeah like, breath support and vocal support so like i it's not as bad in performance but like in auditions i am not a good singer it's like real bad so i i would definitely pre-record because i don't trust myself to do a good job of singing knowing what my anxiety does to my like physical body um, so yeah, I would 100% pre-record. <laughs> I know that makes, your story makes me think about every time I fly on a plane, well, before all of this happened, now I have new anxiety about flying on a plane. <laughs> but like, as I've gotten older, as a kid, I was never scared, right? And then as I've gotten older. Oh my God. I'm, I'm like, this is how I die. scared of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Every single fucking time. This plane is going to fall out of the sky. It's, yeah, it's wild. It's, yeah. Like, it's like the more that you live, the more that you realize, oh. Oh, all That's of these a, things could happen. Correct. That's a risk. That's a risk. Yeah. Yeah. The more you know, it's almost like mm-hmm. the more you know, it's you like know. <laughs> you're gonna <laughs> die. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Dana. Dana was drinking. I made Dana laugh while she was drinking. I'm sorry. I like love roller coasters. And I want a bungee jump, but like the old, I'm like, if I don't do that shit next year, I, a bitch ain't doing it. Because yeah, you gotta do it now. Man, the more I think about it, I'm like, how high are we jumping? And I like really look down. I'm like, oh, that's far. And what's going to catch me? Uh Uh-uh, I got shit to do. Is he any rope? (laughs) Yeah, my... my, Stretchy cord. I I jumped out of a plane at 21 because I knew that I wasn't going to... Like, I just knew. Well, it's also like you're... I mean you're everything's downhill after a certain point like my body's only gonna hurt more and more from the repercussions of something (laughs) that that's why i can't jump out of anything i can't i'll stand up out of bed and roll my ankle i can't land from jumping (laughs) off of a plane parachute or not i literally can't get up and not like no i'm out (laughs) i was i was jumping the other day and my foot was like and i was like i gotta stop (laughs) yep Every day when I stand up, when I wake up, um, like when the first time I stand up every day, like just my hips downward, like all cracking every joint from my hips on down to my toes. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a good country song. (laughs) My hips cracking. My knees are cracking. My ankles (laughs) cracking. And you're going to (laughs) die. Oh my, God. oh my goodness. Okay. And you're gonna die. And you're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> we are so far off topic. I know. <laughs> I know. We were gonna talk about identity. Okay. <laughs> but I think it was like rep what well, representation, how do you represent yourself? So like the I think it is still interesting, you know, going to the point of like Dana the way you represent yourself when you perform, Tina, Asia, like the way we represent ourselves when we perform like and leading with that when you show people who you are like leading with again i think jlo's was a really great example of like representing her culture which she did at the super bowl right like there's such a superpower that her and shakira yeah. have to have and step into when they do a lot of these performances that i think like resonate and they offer a conversation piece for things yeah i mean i think a lot of the times art well 
art attempts to push the boundaries of representation, although I don't think it does a consistently good job at it. Um, I do think it has the capacity to. Yeah, mm-hmm. it has the capacity to, and I think art, music, theater, you know, they I think they they have the awareness of knowing that culture pushes um, progress forward in ways mm. that others kind of drag their feet. Um, so I think that putting uh, putting wealth into representation, putting putting um, putting representation in in the front lines, fully well knowing that it pushes progress forward in culture. And if culture is moving forward, then everything else has to go with it. And I think that's like the hope a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. When I think like, it's not just like progress, but it's also empathy. Like Mm -hmm. the more you're exposed to something, the more inclined you are to understand that thing. And so I think like, especially in art, because like it's, it's a ubiquitous thing. Everyone consumes art, even if you like, don't think you have a connection to a lot of art. Like if you watch TV, if you listen to music, if you hum, like you have a connection to art. So if you're seeing experiences and people that are different from you and what you know and understand in the world around you, like that can only serve to broaden your perspective of, of the way the world works and the way people are and behave. Um, which I think promotes having empathy for those things, which I think is another, it's like a, an important effect of representation. And I think also like the push behind a lot of movements for representation in the arts right now is like a, a broadening of the stories that we tell um, so that we can reach more people and so that people don't other us. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, I, I'm for the listeners. Uh, I'm part Palestinian, part Jordanian. Um, and I think a lot of the times, um, there's a political force that doesn't want to show Palestinians as humans, that doesn't want to open the door for empathy for Palestinians, because then they can control the narrative that we're a certain type of people, if that makes sense, which I think Mm -hmm. is why I've kind of felt the push to have uh, a story based loosely based off of my own life to show Mm. that we're humans (laughs) to show that you know like to open the empathy door essentially just because you feel like there's not any narrative or there's no um there's nothing like you for you or about you that's out there right now essentially yeah yeah Yeah. that's precisely it i mean there's so many limited um stories about palestinians that are on like the bigger market in the first place let alone documentaries or even like news stories that accurately or objectively tell what's happening over there. So when it's, it's also like, like that's makes me think of like, it's not just about, you know, representation and having diverse voices in a room and represented on screen or on stage or in music. Like that is important. Is just like the presence of those bodies in a space that is visible for people. But That's not it. I think people a lot of times are like, oh, we have a diverse cast and that's great. But like, that's only half of the Mm -hmm. story. You have to be conscious in how you represent people because like, yeah, you might have a lot of like, uh, I'm Indian. So like you might have a lot of Indian people in your thing. But if you're casting them all as the villain, that's that's not representation. That's not helpful. That's like 
I think more actually more harmful than it is helpful. It's not just having the bodies. It's about how you let those bodies inhabit the space and who you tell your audience those people are. Not to get to like uh, too like um, spiritual, but I also think on the flip side of this, it's like what are you actively representing? It's like a thing that pops up in my head a lot because I write. And like in writing characters right now and thinking about characters, for example, like female characters, I think it's really important to like not. And, and of course, y'all like check me on this, but it's like I think it's important to not just always write female characters that all of their scenes deal with their opinion of man. Like all of their scenes dealt with like, are you getting the man? Are you winning the man? And if you're with another woman, like, did I beat you? Did you beat me? And like, what do they think about us? But instead building scenes for like that community, women that are just women getting to coexist in space with the point of view. So in thinking, like, what are you active rep- representing? I think a lot of times getting down to, like, having a point of view is really important that I think sometimes I forget. Like, a lot of my representation is in not wanting to be forgotten, not wanting to be dismissed, not wanting to be left out, right? Like, being in a diverse group of things. But there is a nature which, like, you don't have to serve as a diverse lane for something like you actually can just like like we're doing right now like i am inspired by art i'm inspired by seeing theater i'm inspired by television so therefore i'm actively representing a block body in space that wants to create art by what inspires me like i i like i'm trying to challenge representation from being a sense of um what is it what is it's like when you are um like being rebellion, like representation being a rebellion from the norm as opposed to representation being a place at which my land, my lands and my point of view has space to exist. So you're, you're challenging what we think um, the definition of representation yeah. is. Like, it, like because we're so, <clears throat> we're so black and white about it, about the definition, like we think representation just means like having these certain people on screen or behind the lens but you like you're saying that it should be more than that which i totally agree with because if we're only thinking about each other as like like one thing (laughs) then we're not actively (laughs) trying to represent or like open the empathy door or or like tell stories accurately because we're so we're all so much more than just like one thing Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, right, because it's like Tina just said empathy, which I have such a huge problem with the movie. Um, oh, my God. I, I try to black it out where he plays a trans character, but he's not trans. Really. Eddie Redman, what's the movie? It's fucking terrible. Oh, the Danish girl. Gah. Yes, that one. But it's like we aren't learning empathy about the trans community by seeing it through a straight man's lens. Like that's such a misrepresentation of a community that is not represented very well so i do think like we do need to see those characters more often on our screen in order to develop the empathy of what happens to that community but i think also like represent them by let them actively represent themselves let them be the people that tell the narrative not not taking it from them and telling it telling it not as them i think like Mm -hmm. yeah representation is like important in that manner too yeah have y'all seen the documentary Disclosure? Yeah. On Netflix? I, I didn't finish Very it, but good. I need to watch no. it. It's specifically about trans representation in in media and it's super it's it's really good. It's one of my favorite movies of the last year. Um 
But it's just, it's, it's about that exactly. It's about, like, how the idea that, like, having, having cis men play trans women on screen actually perpetuates real-life violence against trans women um, and, and perpetuates the notion that trans women are men in dresses, which is not yes. the case. Um, but it, it that's like that's the power of art is it uh, like changes the way people think and and perceive of people that they may not have access to so i mean yeah it's like what i said before like it does more harm than good but also like you said lionel like we we have to let people tell their own stories we can't just like represent them on screen we got to represent people like in the writer's room mm-hmm. on the crew in the director's chair like there's so many facets of representation in in the artistic creation process that like, I think people kind of get stuck in the like, well, we have these actors. So like the optics of it are great and it makes us look good and look like we're trying, but we're not actually willing to put the work in. Also, like it bugs me that like we see diverse quote unquote stories and like stories about that, that claim to like promote positive representation that still include like a whole ton of white cis straight people. Like, it feels like in, in a story about that's, like, marketed as something that's, like, great for representation of specific communities. It's still told through the lens of, like, people who do have a lot of privilege. Because, I like, I, it's hard for people, for some reason, it's hard for people to, like, conceive of a story about a marginalized group of people that doesn't include white people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And like, can can we have an interracial couple where one of the people isn't a white person? Yeah, like that part. Can we can we show mm-hmm. that? That's you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like people patting themselves on the back for like, well, we included an interracial couple or like a queer couple. It's like, yeah, but there's always a white person. It doesn't. There. Yeah. You can have interracial couple couples where none of them are white people. That's a thing. What? That, that's what no. I loved about. <laughs> no, how dare you? <laughs> That's what I loved about like crazy rich Asians because it actively represented a culture of people as every identity in that movie. Like it had nothing to do with like, oh, this character who's going to be the antagonist, we're going to make them Asian or we'll make the ingenue Asian, but everyone else can be white or everyone else can be black. It's like the whole movie, they just got to actively represent themselves in a movie that had nothing to do, I mean, yes, Asians is in the title, but I think that that was like a playful humor on the on the term versus like a need to like let's make an Asian movie. You get what I'm saying? Like, I I think there was a a, a difference in letting the whole cast be characters that just were people who existed, and I think like that is representation that is not competitive or it's not serving a tokenism style of. Of anything, uh, right? It's like mm-hmm. in a canon just as a movie with an Asian culture and background on it. That's it. I think that is th- that is where representation should get to. Yeah. It makes me think about how, like, we get so few queer stories that don't involve suffering or coming out or pain or, like, the people not getting to be together in the end or... <laughs> On Twitter a while ago, there was, like, a whole thing about, like, let lesbians live in times where there's electricity in movies. <laughs> like, let us have lesbian movies set in a time where, like, there's modern technology and not just, like, a period drama about set. I mean, like, I love Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's one of my favorite things I've ever seen in my life. But, like, it's true. Like, we only so get good. certain types of stories about marginalized folks, and it's, like, through a very certain That's lens. funny. 
<laughs> we can't just like can we get electricity people. lights that turn on <laughs> give them electricity that's funny asia how you doing over there i'm very hungry i'm having trouble focusing <laughs> <laughs> I haven't eaten today. Oh no. <laughs> um yeah. So I mean I have a, I've been keeping up but I just can't formulate complete thoughts. So <laughs> here we are. Give yeah, baby I mean, a I'm biscuit. Just, <laughs> give it to me. Um Yeah, I don't know. And I feel like the conversation's just moving quickly, so every time I have a thought I'm like, eh. We'll get to it later. I tried to keep a list, but it didn't work. Yeah, I don't know. But it's all—it's also like an interesting thing as like a, a mixed race, like half white person. My thoughts on all of these things are not necessarily different, but like I'm coming at it from a different perspective. Like, or not necessarily. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I don't know. I think, well, it's like, and like, yes, Crazy Rich Asians is, is a, was a, a good movie. Um, it wasn't my favorite. I did like that it was all Asians, but I didn't like the fact that they had to call out the title Crazy Rich Asians. Like I felt like there was a lot of work that went into it being accepted by a wide audience. Like I don't know. I had I I I think that movie was a big success in a lot of ways, but I still as an Asian woman had problems with it. But that's the thing. Like my like what who gets to judge how much representation is enough and what stories are being told and what story like I love being a character that is not based on Asian. I love nothing more than to just get to exist as a human who just happens to be Asian. We don't have to talk about it. I don't talk about being Asian on the reg. Like, I'm not, like, waking up in the morning and being like, hey, Josh, I'm Asian. Want to know what it feels like to be Asian? <laughs> like, so, I mean, yes. I think that the diverse stories are so important. But for me, sometimes seeing a person of color in a role just existing as a person of color is enough. Like... Not always, but yeah, I don't know. I feel that. I, I feel like there is a big part of me that is like that, too, that like is like, I just want to play a character that like wasn't written to look the way I look, but that just does look the way I look and that lives mm-hmm. in the world like a human. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, like because of what I know of the way the industry works, like I can be almost certain that when I do play a character like that, it was written by someone who was intending for that character to be default white because white is still seen as the default for like casting and for the, the way a lot of writers write. Um, so at the same time, I'm, I'm what I would really like is a happy marriage of the two, which is like a character who was written to be an Indian character or a Bolivian character or both because that's what I am, but who the whole story isn't about them existing in that identity. Like, I would love for, like, a character who talks about race not at all to be named, you know, like, Pooja. And that's just the character's name. And we're going to cast an Indian person. I just, I wish we could get to a point where, like, we can have stories about people and not make it about their identity or how they're different from the norm, uh, in big quotes. But, like, also still celebrate the fact that, like, that culture and existing as that kind of a person has probably had an effect on the way that they see the world and the way that they live their life. Yeah. And that's what I want for like my life too, not just the roles I play, but like that's how I want to be seen as me as Tina. Do you think then that the progress that we made isn't enough? Because I'm looking at it, you know, like from the beginning of cinema to what will outlive us and I feel like I don't know I feel like we are taking steps and maybe they aren't enough for people but like in the grand scheme 
we've taken huge steps forward. And even though, you know, Eddie Redmayne is not a trans woman, like that is a story that no one would have ever seen necessarily unless they produced it. So is there any, are you saying there's no value in that story being told in mainstream media because it was played by a cis white male? I'm not saying that there's Mm. no value. I think there is value in the fact that we're telling stories like that. But I think how we tell those stories is equally, if not more important. Um, Because like I said before, like that actually does cause harm. Um, It also causes good. So I'm not saying it's like bad that that exists. But I think I just think we need to focus more on the how as opposed to the fact that we're doing it. And I think that Asia has a great question. I, but my my thoughts to that would be, it's at the same level of progression as we did blackface. Like, yes, it's a great. The story needs to be told. The story needs to be heard. But the lack of representation is at whose expense? Like that community story is getting lifted, but at the expense that they aren't getting to tell it. But it is a message. The same way that like you could put a black character with, back in arts at one time and put them in blackface and like. The story story was being told, but it was at the expense of, like, what did they look like? And some things were characters, right, where they were, like, put people in blackface and, like, that was, like, a gimmick and a joke. But there are tons of times, like, productions of Othello that were, like, done with legitimacy just as a white person in blackface. So I think that, like, as the canon goes on, it's important to include the trans story. But then we'll we'll get to the part where, like, oh, wow, that should be a story told by that community. But I think the bigger thing to your point, Asia, is like there is no realm of like what's more representation or is that enough? I think it's allowing complexity and representation. Like I think it's the idea that I could be like crazy rich Asians should be a story that's told. But I'm not Asian, so I can't say that that's enough. But you as an Asian identifying person get to be like, yeah, it is. And guess what? It's not that good of a story. And guess what? The characters do need to be like this, this, this. And I do have a problem with the fact that like it's only a lane for me here. But I think that my job as someone not Asian is to create space for an Asian story to exist. And your job as someone who is Asian is to like challenge that is not enough. I think that that is the switch of representation. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess. And also like, I don't know if I think about the entertainment industry as a cis white man, like, I guess I still try to celebrate where movement is happening. I'm not saying it's perfect. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. not perfect. There's still a lot of problems, and I have major beef with the industry. But this conversation is helping me frame it in terms of, again, like, where we started and where we're going. And the fact that we're able to have these conversations and that media and, like, mm-hmm. people are starting to, like, understand that to a certain extent and, like, casting notices and, you know, like, the what I'm seeing in casting and, and calls. Like, I do see characters on call sheets that are, like, she's Asian, but her story has nothing to do with being Asian, but they call for that. Like, that is happening. So it makes me glad to see that, like, these things are moving forward they're not happening as much as we'd like and we're still up against like a white patriarchal society and entertainment industry that you know we're all fighting against but it's not enough but it's moving it's something it's something yeah exactly yeah it's hard to because i think um every time a story is told from a group of people that haven't really been represented before Mm -hmm. I and I feel this pressure too because I feel like identity has to be a big part of it. 
because it's like you're almost you're not in some way there is an attempt to kind of educate your audience about who who we are how we live our lives and so every time you tell a story about identity kind of opens that door wider and wider and wider until like the culture that you live in is familiar and empathetic towards your people you're no longer being banned from the country you're no longer like viewed as a terrorist for your last name Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you get to that point culturally, I think is when you can start start to think about just telling the story without a focus on identity and without a focus on representation. But I think you have to like push this line. Like I think about Rami a lot and I think about like Rami was a fantastic show. Second season's incredible. But I think a lot about how like you kind of have to tell stories about how we grew up about Arabs in general before you can get to a point where you can just like be an Arab and not have to focus on it. Mm-hmm. Well, and also it's so important to have like a multitude of versions of these stories because like, you know, we're not a monolith, yeah. you know, like there's so much diversity within cultures and within like, you know, racial groups that like having one story about, that you know that's supposed to represent you know like like Daniel you were saying like the Arab experience like it's not going to represent everyone's experience because like we're not all the same so yeah right we need a multitude of those stories to like even start kind of doing the work of like kind of destigmatizing or demystifying that experience for people because like I think people people do think that like well one is enough and then like now I understand that thing Because, like, I saw it one time, whereas, like, you know, there's so much that you don't see and so much within that experience that could be different from each other. um, That that I think right now at this point, like, the only stories that get told that allow for that wealth of experience and that diversity of experience are stories about cis white people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's totally. And because because I know so many of, of... So many people that are, like, thinking about telling their story, but then they, like, look at the TV or movie, and, and then they're like, oh, I can't tell it now because somebody else told a story that's quasi-like mine. And it was just like, no, <laughs> the more. You need to tell more stories about this. Yeah. Like, we we all need to tell more stories about our, our lives or, or, or the stories that you want to tell simply because of that. Like, we're not mm-hmm. all... I'm not Rami. Rami isn't me. Like... I'm not going to tell the same story. Can y'all think of just you bringing up Rami reminded me of like, I'm just interested to know if y'all have any like examples of pieces of media or like things that you've seen recently or just at any point in your life that you think do a really good job of kind of like bridging all of these divides that we've been talking about or that you feel like get representation right. Mm. What is right? Yeah, yeah I was going to say. I mean, say, yeah, I don't right, really right what... for you. Like, you know, what, whatever you think right is or know. that you think does a good job. I don't know what that means for me, even. You know? Yeah. Because I don't, because I don't, I don't think that representation is a landing zone. Like, I don't think you can land at representation. Like, I don't I mean, like, I don't think there's. I think there's just like, is what I'm creating, having a funnel for someone to show who they are in full complexity versus what I can like target them with Mm -hmm. and i think a show that's doing that 
Like, I really like Euphoria. I think Euphoria was a really mm-hmm. good show on, like... But again, I think what I liked about Euphoria was that it was... We got to... We got to have people of different nationalities or different backgrounds, which wasn't the casting call, but it was the normality, the idea that these people coexisted and the issues they dealt with were situational versus racial or um, identity wise, even though there were identities represented. Like, I love that the trans character in that show did not have to speak to being trans. I think it's really dope and important. Um and I felt the same way about Queen and Slim. Like, um, am I saying the name right? Queen and Slim? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But, like, in that same movie, like, I love that it was just, like, a love story. And it was, like, whether or not people loved or didn't love the acting of it, I just love that it was a love story that dealt with an issue that was going on. Like, I, I so I guess that felt right. It didn't feel wrong. I didn't watch it and think like, oof, this is a trap. This is a box. Um, I think for me, Moonlight a couple years ago, just, I thought made a, um, I don't know. It, for me, it was just the storytelling of it that I thought that was just beautiful. But it just so happened to be a story about a queer man that like, I don't know. It, it really impacted me in a way that... Um, I just love the story. So I guess, I don't know. I, I don't know, like, how in terms of conversation about representation or whatnot, but. But the story is very representative. I definitely think, like, as a black queer man myself, like, you don't ever get to see empathy seen on television. You don't get to see black men be soft and be loving and embrace and hug each other. There is such a need to show black men in this dangerous light and in this light of, um, something to fear you know that's why i don't watch law and order because of the way at which they set up different groups of people example of a show that i think is doing it wrong law and order <laughs> because all of those shows all of those procedural shows yeah, yeah. honestly glorifying throw, throw it away yeah throw it away because normalizing coercion yeah in general correct yeah but yeah yeah Lionel, that i, I it it was told in such a beautiful like I don't think I'll ever get that scene out of my head where he's just in the water with oh it's with just the it's yeah. the oh beautiful God. filmmaking but there's some it's just loving and like you're right it, it's like a scene that isn't shown often and and it's like that type of representation of love mm-hmm. like not even just um you know identity but like just love that's mm-hmm. another like form of representation that you just like don't see how about you dina i know i asked this question but i did not have an answer <laughs> in mind um what was the question I exactly guess, again like Words. just is there a piece of media that you you feel like for you kind of encapsulates what you want from representation mm. um but i mean i think for me what, the only thing I can think of right now, and I don't know why exactly, I'm sure I'll work it out in real time right now, um, <laughs> is is Hustlers, which I saw with Dana. Yeah, dope. Um, which I fucking loved that movie. And, you know, we're back to J-Lo. Uh, love her, <laughs> it too. Always, yeah, but like, J-Lo, let's be real. Yeah, it's, it, honestly, with me, it always comes back to J-Lo. Um, but it, I just feel like, like it's a fun-ass movie. And it's like, it. the cast is a diverse group of people 
Um, and it's never about that, but it just, it doesn't ignore that either. It just allows these people to be who they are. It tells, it's also, okay, I, I was thinking, like, as we were talking, like, it, and th- the third facet, I think, to add to what I said before, is, like, who are we telling the story for? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, like, what lens are we telling the story for? You know, like, I feel like a lot of the times, stories about, especially, you know, in the case of Hustlers, stories about exotic dancers are told for the consumption of straight cis men. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, like, this felt so not even for that. Like, there were so many scenes where it just felt like, People were dancing for themselves and not to be consumed by the people who generally, like, are seen as the target audience for this kind of stuff. And I think the fact that it was directed and written by women is a big part of why that was so effective and why I didn't feel, like, gross about any of it or, like, any of it was exploitative um, or, like, yeah, I just, I like, I felt like it was for me. And I rarely feel that way. But also just, like, I just like that people just got to, like, like, we got to see a bunch of women of color having fucking fun and enjoying themselves and, like, not sad about stuff or not, like, being persecuted. And, like, that was great. And, you know, maybe getting away with some crime against gross dudes, <laughs> which I'm all about. So I feel like, like, yeah, it's not perfect and there's so much further we have to go. But, like, that was one thing where I was like, yeah, like, I'm on board for all of this. Mm-hmm. Asia, if you look, if if you look at the docket of theater uh, of art, like you're saying at the beginning of time of cinema, to like how it's gone now, and obviously it's not, and and what will live on after us, what has helped or what is helping you helping you to believe in the hope of that? Like what pieces or what types of pieces are helping you have that perception where you're like they are going for it? Which I agree with. I agree that they are changing too. What kind of is helping scope that or what? is on the table that makes you think that or feel that? I don't know. Okay. I mean, I think that there's a wider range of stories and the fact that there are so many places for people to tell their stories. I mean, like even TikTok. Mm. Like, there are stories being told everywhere and it's not mainstream. Mm. Like, not a lot is happening mainstream or it's not happening fast enough or as fast as we would like. But I don't know. Like I, what things that came to mind? I mean, I kept thinking of movies that had people of color and stories that felt like they were told well in the vein of what we're talking about. But then was like, oh well, I actually don't know because I'm still training myself to look for those things. Be- so I don't know. Like Widows came to mind that I liked some of mm. the storytelling of Widows, like that the stories around each person were like. Um, I don't know any, I don't even remember any of the actors' names or like, but this, the, the escort, the sex worker, like her story, it wasn't like, I don't feel like that story was exploitative of her or of sex workers. It was like a story about her contribution was she just happened to be a sex worker and like was doing this heist or like, um, Michelle Rodriguez's character, like they owned a quinceanera store, but like, it wasn't like all about them being Latinx. It was like. You know, they were like a bunch of little stories that came together. Was it told perfectly? I don't know. I'm, I don't remember. It's been a long time. But that was a movie that came to mind that I was like, oh, these people of color got to exist and we got to see pieces of their, well, and the sex worker wasn't a person of color, but she was European. Um, <laughs> uh, but like those stories all felt like they were told, they were part of the story, but they weren't like 
a part of their, I, I don't know, I'm losing steam on that. And I think that's like uh, um, something that so many people miss in terms of representation about how it's opening a door for the next generation. Like it's a gift that mm. we can work towards. Because for me, I didn't see that as a kid. I never did. Not on social media, because I didn't fucking have it. Not on TV, not on movies. Nothing. So focusing on representation so that the next tiny little Arab girl (laughs) grows up Mm -hmm. and seen all of it and just wants to write a story just for the sake of writing a story, that's the goal, right? Like, that's... That's that's the gift that we can give to the generations after us that I think a lot of people miss. Like they're like, what's what's you know like the counter argument is always like, well, why? What's the you know like what's the point? Blah 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 blah. It's a gift that we can give. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I don't think that that's gonna like politics changing or mm. you know ridding itself of everything that it is right now. Like that's not. I I don't foresee that happening in my lifetime. So like. Yeah, I think you're totally right, Dana. It's like we're just making space yeah, for the people that come after us. Sometimes I feel like people hold on to it so that they're like, well, if I didn't have it, then people younger than me shouldn't have it. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's like you should be giving these these generations after us like a gift. Like, a gift, like something I mean, that they can have that yeah, we I'm didn't not, have. I'm not a spirit. I'm not a religious person. And, like, my, I, I think that our whole point of being here is to leave the world better than when we got here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, mm-hmm. that includes the arts and that includes politics. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it art informs politics, too. So, like, it's all, at a certain point, it all becomes part of the same. Yeah. You know, what we see in art dictates what we think is possible in politics. Yeah. Um, it allows us to kind of dream, dream the world that we want into existence. I think this makes me think about an action item that I have. Ooh, yeah. So to your question, which I think was dope, or to your point where it's like, you know, well, you would love to see it. I think for me, an action item would be seeing if there's something keeping me out of the room. Like an action item, seeing what about my identity, my representation, I feel keeps me out the room and then lean into that thing and funnel it with confidence. For example, I think of like Kamala Harris this week. Like, again, I would love to get to a point where we saw TV shows and we didn't have to think about it. But the thing is, that's just not realistic to like Asia's point in our lifetime. We're I don't there. think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because we're still announcing the first woman. We're still announcing the first black woman. We're still announcing the first Asian woman. So I think an action item is just being like, is there something keeping me out of the room? And then challenge that just by not confrontation, confronting it, but being like, cool, there's space for me to keep chiseling at my own voice. And like in terms of being an artist, in terms of being a writer, in terms of being an actor, like sitting into those stories and forcing them to the table, whatever my complexity I feel is personal, right? Like whatever I think in like my black queer boy fantasy needs to be talked about, like taking that as an action. So... Figuring out where to put your staple in a hole. Ooh, God, that feels... Hell yeah. That feels so... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Is that an action item for us or for listeners? Or both? Both. And if I would just tag on to that. If you are a cis white person, what space are you occupying that 
you could create space for other voices. How do you spend that privilege, baby? Yeah. I guess also if you are not currently watching things looking for holes, before you sit down to watch something, ask yourself to do that, to say like, Mm. is the representation here true? Look up who the writers are, who the directors are, like find out who's telling these stories and start voting with your dollars about what you want to see. Well, until next time, we're We The People, where we like to keep it fresh, funky, and always unfiltered. Till next time. Bye. 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 That was my this first musical, musical ever episode, did. everyone. What? Really? Yeah. What'd you play? Yeah. I was the butler. Great. Oh, yeah. no one <laughs> I don't know that show well enough. All <laughs> no, no, of her faces. That. <laughs> yeah, I literally like, only I'm know that. I'm not saying. There's like a narrator right? open, and we're just like nodding. <laughs> uh, y'all waited for the punchline, but the joke was that was the punchline. He had his literal line. Um... Both men and servants of Pharaoh, they keep us in the dog house for doing the thing. One was a baker, cook of his time. One was a butler, the G's of his time. We don't think that we will ever see the. Li- that wasn't it. Um, <laughs> and then it was. There I was standing with Pharaoh the king. I, I forgot. Um, I'll remember. Circle back. Uh, we'll circle back.